Hey, this is Kelly Schaefer from Atheist and Till the Dirt. You're listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio. Crank that shit. Welcome back, Wanderers, to another Horizon-expanding episode of the Misery Point Radio Show. As always, I appreciate you accepting my invitation to step outside the spiral and join me for a starring role here in the wasteland where I can watch you grow old alongside the good, the bad, and the other. My name is Mike, and it is my privilege to serve as your host on this musical journey through the forest of Because, where nothing is ever as it seems, and you never know who awaits to insist and demand that we bring on the gods. And if that all sounds like I'm talking in code and absolutely out of my mind, well, you're mostly right. But for those of you in the know that picked up on those verbal clues, then you definitely have my undying, everlasting respect and admiration till the dirt. Returning to the show today is a person whose presence is definitely unquestionable, who has braved the elements and weathered the metal storm for over three decades. I am, of course, referring to the one and only Kelly Schaefer, who has carved out his own piece of time as a creative force behind Florida's progressive metal pioneers, Atheist, and who has now recaptured the scene with his latest band, the genre-blending extreme metal act, Till the Dirt. Kelly and I first talked about Till the Dirt when he was on about two years ago, and at that point, it was still a new project that was in development. And now, after three years of backlog, pandemics, delays, and the usual music industry mumbo-jumbo, they finally unleashed their debut album Outside the Spiral on Nuclear Blast Records. We had an absolutely awesome Zoom chat about the band, the feeling of finally being able to release his first record in 13 years, how he navigates the difficult waters of sonic identity and expectation, and of course his thoughts on challenging preconceived notions of what can be accomplished both musically and thematically on an album in today's very uncertain landscape. So, grab yourself a cold one, roll up a fatty, and enjoy this conversation with a true metal OG. Check it out. Hey, Kelly, welcome back to the show, my brother. Honored to have you here once again. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out. Thanks for having me again. It's like, uh, feels like family. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this the other day. The, the first time that, that we chatted in this capacity, I, it's hard to believe now uh, as the stuff is being released, but two years ago, um, we spent a considerable time talking about Till the Dirt and, of course, Atheist and, and all the other cool shit you got going. But, you know, in this era, just the way things are going, it, time is just flying so fast. And I, I can't believe that it was two years ago that, that, uh, that we first visited this conversation. It's just blowing my fucking mind. Yeah, it's been, I mean, um, three years, uh, just about three years since, uh, since I wrote the music. So yeah, man, I don't like that. You know, it's hard to be, uh, it's hard to be, um, uh, it's hard to evolve when there's that much time, you know, when the industry takes that long, but I mean, the, the, you know, the labels are lucky that they survived through the, the backlog of, of records that had to come out. And, um, you know, they were, they were kind of, it clogged up all the arteries of the business, uh, for a number of years. So, I mean, it, uh, it's been a long wait, man. I'm excited for this Friday to finally get the album out and worldwide. And, you know, I mean, uh, you and I have talked about the, uh, the record and we became friends after our interview and met up in Seattle as well. And, uh, 
you know, so you know what this means to me. It means, it means a lot to, uh, to finally get it out there and for better, for worse, you know, see if it floats, you know? And, uh, so it's an exciting time and I haven't made a record in 13 years. So it's kind of fun, you know, going through this whole process again, you know, the cycle. Revisiting, uh, revisiting old, old, you know, times, old friends. It's, it's fucking rad. Speaking of Seattle though, by the way, I did want to thank you again. So, uh, for all you out there in in radio land and podcast and video land, uh, Mr. Schaefer here uh, had me out as his guest in Seattle with the Atheist and Cynic on the uh, Focus and Presence tour, which, by the way, that is just a bucket list show right there for those who are fans of old school metal to have Atheist and Cynic on the same bill. You would have thought it would have happened a million times because of the history that those two bands have together, but it took forever to make it happen. And so not only were you guys fucking cool and the band and everybody hanging out and doing tequila and smoking a little something, something and having some fun, but just the shit in and of itself was legendary for me. And how about that fucking tribute to the two Sean's? I mean, just what a, what a pile of awesomeness that entire day was. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to watch people talk shit on the internet about, <clears throat> about Paul doing that, you know, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's something he had to go through. I know what it's like to lose a band member. So, um, you know, and uh, I try to keep Roger Patterson's name alive on every single time we play live. I mention his name pretty much every single time. And he's been gone 31 years, 32 years now, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, I thought the Cynic show is, you know, just the whole bill, the whole night felt really, really cool. Having the accused AD there was also pretty cool. Yeah. yeah because uh, Roger Patterson was a huge accused fan. So ah, that was kind of an unexpected added bonus. Um, but yeah, the whole tour, we just really had so much fun. And um, yeah, I, mean, it's, I just feel grateful to be able to do it. And, and, and it took 30 years. I mean, the cool thing is there was a 30 year for each of us. So 30 years for focus and 30 for elements. And, uh, it, you know, the way it just worked out that way, it's kind of indicative of, of our careers collectively and individually. Like we've just been... You know, uh, we've been lucky to do, uh, you know, to, to survive for that long and then to finally get to go on tour together and actually stay on the same bus together. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I know you and I were talking, you know, off air and we've had this conversation a few times, you know, on a personal level, but, you know, you, somebody who truly enjoys the engagement, you know, with fans or with, you know, whatever, with media, but I think that I, I have been a music goer, not only because of the number of friends I, I have in the industry, but just, you know, as a musician myself and as a fan of music, I don't think I've ever seen a level of personal engagement as I did with you that night in Seattle. I mean, every single person that walked by, I mean, you were grabbing their phones, you were taking pictures, you were doing videos, you were signing this. I mean, massively great. And then even just everybody, everybody else, all the dudes in Atheist, I mean, just was such a fucking refreshing thing to see, and especially in today's age where, you know, people don't get those opportunities as often. So just watching you guys really genuinely interact with people and not be all butthurt about it, and you know, uh, it's just super fucking cool. That's what I mean. I have always said, you know, I don't understand why anybody tours to hide out, you know, they need to hide out in a green room or hide out on the bus. Um, you know, now I also am a very social person, so I've come to, to be a little more empathetic about folks who have social anxiety. So, uh, I don't know what that's like. So, so it's, not, it's not fair for me to be like, well, I don't, everybody should be, you know, uh, out signing autographs and hanging out and taking pictures. But, you know, it, it's, you know, my wife, for example, has a lot of social anxiety. She, 
could never, you know, uh, she just going to a, a crowded grocery store is a lot for her. Um, so me, I just, the more people, the, the easier it is. So, but I, I really love people. You know, I mean, I, I enjoy metal people, especially, I should say, <laughs> um, because I just feel like we're all, um, you know, we're all a part of the same club, you know, this love of music that nobody else likes. And, uh, and you know, it's this fringe, um, you know, and there's a lot of interesting people in metal, you know, I mean, big, tall, little from all the different countries, you know, and everybody's uniting with this music, you know, and, uh, and especially atheist and cynic fans. What, what was great about that? And me and Paul talked about this was that typically every other tour we've done or every other show we've done, we've always felt like the outcast of that bill, no matter what the bill is. We're always like, Oh, we hope everyone will like uh technical shit. You know, because if you're playing with, you know, bands like Suffocation or, or Cattle Decapitation or, you know, bands where everybody just wants raw, you know, wants it to be raging uh, to, you know, sometimes a band like Cynic or, or Atheist will have a, you know, a tough time reaching the crowd the same. So having that bill be the both of us, we knew that everybody that was there knew what they were they signed up for. <laughs> you know what I mean? They knew shit was going to be complicated and and, um, and a little headier than normal. So uh, so that was a nice, refreshing uh, peace of mind each night going on stage and uh, but yeah i mean um I, I don't you know i can't say enough about how cool metal people are like you know for for all the for the average person walking into a, if you walked into a metal club you'd be terrified you know what i mean um by looking at the people that are at a metal concert but if you if you had the opportunity to sit down and talk with them you'd be stunned at the level of um of intellect and of, uh, you know, depth of knowledge of history and, uh, both music and else, uh, you know, and otherwise, and just, I, I don't know, it's fascinating to me. Uh, you see a big burly guy looks like he would just kill everybody. And you sit down and talk to him and he's a math teacher, um, you know what I mean? And who, who has this extensive knowledge of music history for the last 30 years. And I love that shit. You know, I think it's a very misunderstood genre of music. So the more people I get to meet, the better. <laughs> You bring that up, and I was talking to to somebody else about that, you know, a while ago. But um, I was at a possessed show, uh, possessed and false prophet, and and uh, I was I was hanging out with Scott from False Prophet, and and he was introducing me around, and there was all these people there, and all these crowds, and these dudes just fucking spikes and face paint and blood, and just all the people out there, just a massive mixed crowd. And I was having a conversation with this dude. He must have been seven feet tall, just black leather, spikes everywhere, crazy shit on his face. And he's like, hey, man, uh, how's things going? Really? And I, he just struck up a conversation. He had this really unassuming voice, and, and he was just so friendly, and it was just crazy. And so a lot of the conversations I've had have just been just completely um just like that it's just so so fucking cool it just goes to show you that we all do have preconceived notions sometimes and it's really amazing when that shit just gets blown out of the water and you're just like oh this is fucking rad i think it's almost more that way now than ever where it's just you know nobody reads the book they just look at the cover and um and it's you know you're you're missing out on a lot of a lot of good dialogue if, if that's the way you you operate your social life you know and i um Man, yeah, I can't tell you just one of the greatest things about playing music and touring and traveling is the different personalities and the different people and how they discovered your music. And, uh, you know, that's that's currency to me. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't make millions of dollars to, to do this, you know, and uh, in fact, it costs a lot of money. So it's uh, those are the enrichments to me. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, 
and it's not you know it's 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 not a put on you know it's how i i prefer to be you know i uh, really do enjoy people especially metalheads and um so you know now there is also a time and a place for everything uh when i first wake up in the morning and i step off the bus and i like I just need to have a cigarette and wake up. It sucks when there's somebody standing there. <laughs> you know, they wants to have a long conversation. Like, so just know if you're a fan of music, like, and you're out there at like 1130 in the afternoon, you know, you get to the show that early, like, you know, during the day, like before four o'clock, that bus is like a house. It's like somebody's house. So yeah, you know, nobody wants to wake up and go get the paper off the, the driveway with your hair all crazy and oh, can I get a picture right now? It's like, no, man, I don't, I don't want to get a picture right now, dude. I just climbed out of my bunk. I drank so much last night. I just want to have a cigarette and you want to take a picture and put it on fucking Facebook. Uh, so there are times where that gets taxing, you know I mean? Uh, bless their hearts. They don't understand, you know I mean? They're just, Hey, you know, can I get a picture? <laughs> like, oh man, I got my pajamas on literally, bro. I, it's going to be on Facebook in 10 minutes. You know, me and my pajamas, bedhead. <laughs> But otherwise, after sound check, man, it's all all bets are off. I'm I'm Joe Social. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you you kind of said something that that brings me to I, I guess where we're going, and you were talking about you know judging things by the cover and not really reading into it. And so here we are, till the dirt, a band that people probably initially are like, I don't I don't know how to take this. This is something that I think that once you absorb it it will blow your mind. And this is the culmination of you trying to do something different. And it's definitely something that people will look at you and not know for those of you, for those who aren't familiar with you and, and your history, um, but that you've really done something. In other words, genre bending, but there are so many elements, not to make an atheist joke, so many elements to the till the dirt stuff um, that it is something you can't just judge it at at a first glance or even at a first listen i mean i've i've had right. this now um in its in its final capacity for for quite some time and i've probably done a, a dozen listens through and i'm getting different every single time and so you had to that. yeah you had to wait for a couple of years this has been done it's been in the can for a while and yeah. gestating i'm sure you were like dude how are people going to receive this? You know, what's this going to do? You know, I poured my soul into this and yeah. now it's here. So uh, now that it's here and it's finally out there, how are you feeling about all this? Uh, it's, it's, um, man, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's very exciting because it's also the only record I've ever done where I, you know, literally it, every piece of this is me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's all of my personalities all in, in one, um, sometimes, you know, in, in a, in a real a regular band scenario, especially with atheists, you have a multitude of personalities and styles that they come together, the sound and taste a particular way, you know, this particular recipe is, is, uh, you know, just came out of all this frustration of being locked down and just, it became this, like this human experiment with myself. And, um, you know, you and I have talked off off the record about you know why is this different than an atheist record and um and i, I really explained it and the only way that i can is that i was drinking alcohol while i was writing it and uh and it's it's it sounds like a stupid thing to say you know it cheapens it in a way but but it's a it's an it's an element of experimenting um with your the doors in your brain you know what i mean so if if all you've ever done is is smoked weed and and, and or not anything done you know wrote songs soberly um 
whatever works for you, you know, whatever causes that flow to happen. So being stuck at home, really, I never, ever drank alcohol at home ever. So the only time I would ever drink is when I went out social or if I was, you know, playing a show. Uh, but writing music um, while even slightly intoxicated, it's always been like a, so having, having three drinks, you know, I don't drink a lot, like I don't get crazy drink, but having three drinks gives me courage and a, a different kind of courage. And it, it was really fascinating for me to, to watch that unfold as music. So me trying different vocal styles uh, that I would normally never try if, if I was in a regular state of mind, uh, you know what I mean? Like, just like when you, when you go out to a bar, you feel more talkative, you feel uh, it's easier to talk to if you're trying to meet somebody or, or, um, or you feel more courageous and, and end up getting in a bar fight, you know, and when you really shouldn't, if you weren't drinking, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you just say things you wouldn't normally say and behave in a way you would normally behave. So that translated into this Till the Dirt record where it's just very angry and different. And so for me, it's different within itself. The problem with waiting for like three years that it's taken to put this out is, um, you know, I mean, you want to, you, you want to be able to write something that's um, timely, you know what I mean? So I hope that, uh, I hope that that's the feeling. I mean, when you listen to, you know, modern and, and and not sound old. And I think that a lot of people, and I, you know, we also talked about this, like I, you know, some people get very used to you in a, in a particular setting. So I'm anxious about the, you know, the, the reaction to it. I mean, it's waiting all these, all this time for the reaction. Now we're coming to the final week, you know, I mean, obviously the press has the record, but fans don't have the record yet. So I'm really excited to, to see how it plays out. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, the timeliness factor, I, I definitely think is, is there, I mean, it, it's relevant to today as, as it was, you know, three years ago. Um, I can also say that having heard the demo versions of some of these songs and then now hearing them in their, I don't know, fucking full glory, uh, is just, it's just awesome. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, the anticipation, like you had that material out there, like it was, it was put out there, you know, some people knew about it and, and, you know, you kind of teased the world with it. Um, so I think, you know, topically, you know, maybe song content wise, you might've been in a different frame of mind three years ago than you are now, but let's just talk about the sound of till the dirt. It is an angry sound. It is a varied sound. It's aggressive, but at the same time, it's got so many different textures, right? So I think, you know, you've, you've dabbled a million different ways, you know, with your voice and, and different projects, you know, Neurotica and Stone's Madness and, you know, all, all this other stuff that you've done. So the people that are are familiar with you as a person and just your, your the lineage of your work over the last, you know, three decades or so, uh, this is for those people who have been looking for a way to combine all of those elements into one thing and have it actually fucking work. And I think that's where people's minds are going to be blown is, not only is this different, but it works on every goddamn level. Uh, and, and that to me, with how many different things you tried on this album, it is it's just remarkable. Thank you, man. That means a lot. It's, it's nice to hear feedback. <laughs> I um, Because, you know, you do, you do get close to it as an artist, you know, and you don't really know where it stands. But the one thing I will say about this is I was able to really have a third person more of a third person view of this music because of, of the way I was writing it. And a lot of these songs came together in just one night, you know, each song. And, uh, and, a, and a lot of times I would do the vocals that night 
And then I would wake up at, you know, the next afternoon and go and listen to it in my car. And I would just be like, wow, I don't even know. It doesn't even sound like me. You know, I mean, it, just, it sounds like a different person. And then I started thinking about why that was. And when I started thinking about, again, just the, you know, when you, when you drink and you get to a certain level of uh, comfort at a bar, like you ever wake up the next day and be like, God, I hope I didn't say too much last night, or I hope I didn't make this person mad because I was a little too, you know, a little too fucking tipsy or whatever. And, uh, and that was, that's how it was musical. I was listening to it like, Whoa, I said that, you know, and, uh, you know, just this, it's just the level of screaming. I, I felt like was, um, I don't know. I was the best screaming. I think that I've ever, um, it's my favorite screaming of mine anyway, on any of the records. I wish that I was able to have tapped into that on some of the atheist stuff. But when you combine it with this nineties vibe too, you know, it's, it's interesting because just, you know, things always come around, don't they? You know, but nine that, you know, I'm not influenced. I was a part of the nineties vibe. So it's not like uh, I was influenced by it. It's just, I never ever found a way to combine my love of old Soundgarden and, uh, you know, uh, just Alice in Chains, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff came out in, you know, the late eighties, early nineties while we were doing, you know, crazy, but all that time I loved that music, you know? And, and, uh, so it just made perfect sense for me, um, uh, to, to write things like that, you know, so it doesn't seem odd to me, but, uh, but I think the timing might be pretty good, you know, because there's a lot of things about the nineties that people are seeking, you know, in music these days, you know, uh, there's, there was a level of, uh, of, of quality and good songwriting, you know, at, at the end of the day, me and Scott Burns had a conversation yesterday and it was like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's about songwriting, you know what I mean? It's about writing songs that, that people can interpret, you know, and, and, and listenable things, you know, and not just, whoa, that's so fast or that's, whoa, that's so uh, sick, you know, and that's so guttural, uh, you know, and those, those specific things rather than this song is amazing. You know what I mean? It's just, you know what I mean? Like, it just, I just think it's a, uh, it's time and an extreme metal for, for the focus to be on more on writing great songs that, that'll, you know, that'll last a lifetime that are always listenable, you know, and, uh, and not just acrobatic. It's a lot of, 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 um, music these days it just it, it's going so fast all the time and just and it's so lunatic and uh and i just think man that's all cool if you could now mix that with some dynamics you know go, go into something that where you know something that somebody can maybe hum along to just a little bit you know and not not your typical normal boring clean vocal stuff i don't think you know one thing i want people to know that haven't heard the tilted or record is you know the vocals that i'm using are not typical clean vocals you know they're um it's more like pepper keenan you know what i mean like uh it's more of that style where it's where it's a, a bluesier grovelier you know um approach to a clean vocal than sort of mine you know what i mean i think it's not screaming but there's still some throatiness to it and you yeah. do so you mix it up a bit. I mean, obviously I'm here in Seattle. So some of those bands that, that you just kind of paid tribute to are our hometown heroes. And I am a huge fan of the extreme metal. You know, I love the black metal. I love the death metal. I love the thrash. I love the prog technical, all that stuff. But I, I really, um, 
was a fan and still am a fan of kind of that, you know, late 80s, early 90s Seattle stuff. And even though a lot of the metalheads, you know, shit on that stuff because they say, oh, it killed metal or this or that. I'm like, no, it didn't. You know I, I, I think that that needs to be cleared up, though, brother, because I think that what because I have friends that, you know, I have a friend that plays in a band Firehouse and I have friends that play in Skid Row and, and those guys, they got killed by Seattle. But extreme metal, you know, uh, I, you know, just kind of had had played itself out a little bit by the mid nineties, you know what I mean? And, but I mean, when, when all the early Seattle stuff was happening, though, that was at the same time that Tampa death metal was really taken off. That was 89 to 91, you know, that a lot of really great records were coming out in Seattle. And, um, so I don't think that, I think that secretly, I think it was more about gatekeeping, you know I mean? Um, back then where you're no, oh, you can't pretend to like stone Temple pilots if you're into slayer. You know what I mean? I think there was an element of that too, and nobody ever talked about it. But I think it's like this, you know, uh, my from the people that have heard this record so far, it's like everybody's just kind of like, yes, now I can, you know, now I can, now I can show my love for that shit. You know what I mean? Amongst my friends, it's that kind of record. I think you know where it's it's a combination of of styles, of hybrid of styles that I think is uh, allowing people to own up to their love of you know, stoner rock and Seattle, you know, vibes. And, and at the same time, it's super fast and heavy. So, you know, you're in, in blast beats and, you know, all the things that extreme metal people love, but now they got like a, now they got a secret mistress within the song, you know, it's like, you know, yes, I love having, you know, I love my wife, but I also like this stripper girl, you know what I mean? It's kind of like that. It's got the extra shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it is kind of funny. All, all of, all of the different, you know, uh, styles that you've approached vocally. I mean, you definitely get somewhat of an Allison Chains vibe on some of it. You get, you know, maybe some of the more a little heavier stuff, maybe like a little bit of corn or mud vein thrown in there once in a while. Um, and then, like, I'm a huge fan of. I don't know if you know the band From Hell. Yeah, you know From Hell. You know George. Um, there's, oh, yeah. you know, there's some Alistair Sin screaming in there, which is really fucking intense. And it's just uh, the way that you move from like a scream into a clean I think is really what sets it apart from bands that say oh I'm kind of like part metal but I'm part rap or I'm part this or I'm part that it's kind of like you have this part of the song that's that and then this other part of the song that's that but with Till the Dirt what you're doing is you're moving seamlessly through those things and back again so it's not segmented it's all really integrated and um there's hooks there's choruses there's all that kind of cool stuff you know that the outside the spiral for instance just that title track it really hits you with that kind of dissonant cording like right up front and then right. you, you know you're kind of the clean vocals and then massive screams and blast beats to hit you and it just goes back and forth seamlessly and you just don't see that or hear that a lot in bands that are trying to combine genres or styles or, or what have you thank you man my, my hope is that um people will give it more than one listen you know what i mean because anytime you do something different it's always a huge risk you know but i it's it's not like i sat down and i mean you know this from talking to me in the early parts of this that this just kind of happened you know i didn't plan on putting a new band together i didn't plan on any of this stuff so it's written from an honest place in an organic place. It wasn't like a sat down and said, you know what the world needs? A little bit of nineties mixed with some extreme, like, you know, I mean, it just wasn't even a thought. It just happened. And now I'm looking at it and trying to figure it out myself, you know, trying to figure out where it came from. And, and so, uh, you know, and I'm getting better and better at understanding. And, and, you know, it just makes sense knowing myself. I know 
how you know how it came to be but i um i hope that people will just allow themselves to i mean listen this music's gotta always you know it's gotta move it can't just stay stationary forever you know and i hope people will find this and you know uh help of uh as i say moving the boulder you know what i mean and and uh and, and bands trying new things and you know there was just a lot of great darkness about old school seattle you know there was a lot of despair and, and sorrow and um i love that musically you know I and mean, that's some that you know the more the more sorrowful the music to me the happier it makes me if that makes any sense you know like i i'm I, I don't know if, if other people feel that way, but uh, then when you mix that in with just like terror filled aggression, it's a cool contrast, you know? Yeah, definitely a killer contrast. And I think now is the perfect time to check out one of these songs that illustrates this epic use of contrast. So here's Till the Dirt off their debut album, Outside the Spiral. This one's called Starring Role. Check it.
You know, you touched on it uh, a little bit earlier, uh, but, you know, obviously, you, you know, Scott Burns liked it enough to to want to take part in this. And I'm just curious now what what he is saying now that this is kind of starting to hit the airwaves and, and hit the world. And, you know, is, is he is he as happy with the finished product as he was when he was excited about getting this going with you? Yeah, no, no he's um, man, you know. I uh, just had a tremendous conversation with him last night and um, he's just always been in my corner and, um, and he gives me such a reassuring feeling about things. And, you know, he's just like, you know, Kelly, listen, you know, it's a fucking good songs, man. He's like the whole fucking record. It's good songs. He's like, you know, everybody he's, you know, he's kind of with me in the, in the very beginning when I first put these songs out and kind of sent it around to some labels, everybody came with that old guy shit, you know, like, well, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, you know, in your fifties, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, and there was every, every reason in the world not to fucking want to put it out, not even get calls back from people that, you know what I mean? I've been doing this a long time. You can at least return the phone call, you know? So, uh, credit to, to Monty Connor and, and, uh, and nuclear blast for, you know, in the guys in the early days of me writing this, uh, there's a guy named Jens Pruder, um, at nuclear blast who I sent the music to right away. And he was uh, very, uh, encouraging as well so I, I would just say that scott is that he's just he's very reassuring for me when i get worried about it, obviously the friday's the big day and uh he's like ah, listen you know at the end of the day kelly you wrote a really great record with really great songs and people are going to talk shit they want to talk shit but you and i both know that you know it's it's a good record top to bottom and um just just let it unfold you know and let that other shit roll off your shoulder i i do i i can read a hundred great comments and then one will just fucking fester inside of me, you know, like for, for two days. <laughs> so uh, social media comments are very tough for me, man, because it's they're like children, you know, these songs to me. It's very personal. And, and uh, to just to watch somebody just randomly dice up an album, you know, that means the world to you uh, is hard. You, just, you know, I want to I want to um, Jay and Silent Bob fucking visit their front door and be like, did you say this? Did you say that this record? You know? <laughs> I, uh, but I can't, you know what I mean? So that's a tough thing. I don't think people realize how vulnerable artists are. You know what I mean? They may put on the persona, you know, and play on stage. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. I do. You know what I mean? You know, I don't, I don't want to make music that people don't want to listen to. Um, you know, so I, uh, I make no bones about that. I want people to, to, to like it. I don't need them to like it. You know what I mean? To the point where uh, my life is just not complete. If, you know what I mean? I, I've been an obscure artist my whole life. So I'm used to people not under not understanding or not getting what I'm putting down musically <laughs> for a while, at least, you know, sometimes it takes a while, but I hope it doesn't take a while this time. I don't have to wait 10 years for people to go, Oh, fuck. Yeah. Nineties and, and the fucking blast beats. Yeah. You know, you're not, well, there's so much more to that. I mean, I'm, you know, just using those as examples of, uh, cause there really is a lot of things on this record. A lot of, um, a lot of moments, you know, um, that I, I don't know where they come from. It's going to be really fun live. I think, I think yeah. this music is and I, it's, uh, noting, you know, when you're talking about kind of like the vulnerability factor or, you know, just fully investing yourself in it. I mean, you're playing guitar, you know, you're doing the drum parts, you're, you're arranging all this. This is pretty much your baby through and through. And of course there's others in, involved at this point, but you know, the conceptualization of this is is pretty much born and executed uh, at the raw stages from you 
Yeah, I mean, I um, I had you know the original demos that I sent you were just me. Um, I played all the guitars and and then I you know programmed the drums and the and uh, and played bass on a little bit. Then I started you know like reaching out to people. Hey, man, you know, so Yoa, for instance, our bass player and atheist. I was like, hey, man, can you lay the bass down on this song, that song? And at that point, I didn't know that there was going to be an album or a band or anything like that. So, and then you know. I would be working on a song and get a text from Jeff Loomis. And I was like, Hey man, can you do a solo on the song? Yeah. Fucking two days later. That's the beauty of technology today. It's another reason this record never could have happened in, in the early two thousands, because this whole record was made between people that never laid eyes on each other, (laughs) you know, which is really crazy. I mean, you know, if you told somebody that back in, in the in the eighties or early nineties, you'd be like, what do you mean? You know, how do you write, how do you write music when you're not even in the room together? And uh, so, so, but I had, a, you know, I wanted, I wanted to bring in two other guitar players to play along with my guitars um, so that there was a different feel. And uh, so it had more of a, a band vibe, you know, and it wasn't just me, but there's a, you know, this, this whole record was also, it's important to note that it's far from a big money production. It's uh you know, I mean, even though Scott Burns is involved, Scott was involved as a real producer. Um, Ryan Vincent um, at Apollo uh, Audio Alts in Missouri actually mixed the record. Um, you know, Scott worked with me on arrangements and just encouragement and, you know, like a, a real um, producer's role as I see it, you know, as opposed to an engineer, which is what he had always acted as that with, with Atheist. Because uh, it wasn't a lot of production to do with Atheist. We knew already what the parts were going to be. And so if anything, he was, he was producing the performances. So when we would sit down to do solos, he'd be like, yeah, that solo sucks. Do it again. You know, or let's try that, you know, try that again. Um, so, but on, until the dirt, man, he was just really, you know, he just got it, you know, I mean, he understood it right away. And I was like, ah, so I would just, you know, bounce things off of him, um, nightly, you know, and, uh, really played a huge role in, in, uh, me having confidence enough to, to, you know, have this prolific period of time where I wrote, 25 songs in this vein so i still haven't you know it was hard just to pick the songs you know scott and i were talking about that last night like picking 11 songs out of the 25 so so anybody that likes this record you can know that there's another record sitting right behind it just like it glad you mentioned that because that's literally right in front of me like you told me that there was roughly 25 or so songs and so how did that selection happen? How did you decide on those? Did Scott play any part in those being selected? And then what is happening with the rest of that stuff that didn't come to this album? Uh, it's, it's it's ready and waiting. Yeah, Scott played a huge role in that. I mean, that was uh, because I really didn't know. Um, to, you know, I love them all. So I, I uh, it was really hard to pick, you know, the right ones. And uh, But I, I feel like we did. In, in hindsight, looking back now, you know, Scott does it again, man. He just knows like, you know, I would send him songs and he would be like, mm, I don't know. That just doesn't sound like the other songs, Kelly. It doesn't sound like the same vibe that, that got me excited. And I'd be like, okay. Uh, and I would either work on that song one more time or I would just write another one. And um, so, so there, you know, the, the, the additional songs that are there, I mean, I, when it comes time to make a second record, we'll just, you know, obviously have probably more money to work with hopefully. And, um, and I'll be able to, go about the process a little differently, but I kind of don't want to, I kind of, kind of don't want to fuck with the process. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I kind of like that, uh, but I'll never be able to recreate a pandemic. So that's kind of why I'm really, really glad that I did write that much because if that was a lightning in a bottle scenario 
at least I've got a wealth of material sitting there for uh, for a couple of albums and an EP, <laughs> which will last for five years, you know? Well, there may not be another pandemic, although if I recall, <laughs> at least in Central Florida, you guys got some leprosy action going on up there. So, Lovely. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> leprosy never hurt anybody. It's fine. It's good. Just don't eat the armadillos. You'll be fine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's good to know, though, that I mean that that, that other material is still out there in the cosmos with the potential of of being yeah i also would i also would like to release the demos at some point because the demos are what really got scott excited in the beginning um he was blown away at the drum sound that i that i had on the demos and and, um and they were they were really really good and uh but they they didn't quite the blast beats didn't sound like they needed to sound so inevitably that's what we were like all right you know what let's let's just bring in a drummer to play all these parts and uh, play them just as you wrote, as I wrote them. And then, um, and so when that happened, uh, then it, you know, it started to become a band from there. And then, you know, I asked Steve DiGiorgio, I was just like, we play, pick any song you want to play on. I would love to have you on anything. I would just want to, I want you on this record so bad. And he was kind enough to to pick Spiral outside of Spiral and killed it, you know? So it's got his fretless bass on there. And it's, you know, John Longstreth really shines on this record as well. Like, uh, cause he's, you know, He's playing in a song and nobody's ever really kind of heard him play in a song like Consistent Demand. You know, that, that's a weird song for John Longstreet to be drumming too. You know what I mean? So I think people will find that kind of interesting as well. And Jeff Loomis is Jeff Loomis, man. You know, I'm excited. That single's coming out um, this week. Um, it's called Privilege. And um, with Jeff's Jeff solo on there. Oh, so good. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. And, and uh, there's a really cool ass lyric video that got made as well. So I'm excited. Lots of fun stuff coming. Yeah, this Mr. Week. is uh he's kind of a hometown hero here. And though he's not, you know, originally from Seattle, his work in like, you know, Nevermore, for instance, uh, is just is legendary. And he is known to just, you know, randomly pop into a small club and watch a show, which is really cool. You never know when when Jeff's just gonna show up and hang out in the crowd. It's it's really fucking cool that he does that. And you know, of course he's out there you know, playing around with Arch Enemy and all over the world and stuff like that. But uh, he still finds his way, you know, back this way to to hang out with us, uh, us lowly folks. Very humble guy, man. And um, I, you know, I guess we met years ago at the uh, Waukesha County Arena uh, when Ravage, or um, Atheist and Cynic were playing. He was, I think, 15 years old, as he told me. And uh, I think Roger gave him a joint. Uh, <laughs> that was his story to me. And that that's the first time he ever saw Atheist and uh you know, fast forward now, he's a, you know, one of the, one of the guitar heroes of this genre of music, you know, I think one of the legit top-notch guys, you know, and, uh, but he couldn't be more humble and, and kind. And, uh, so we, ha- we have a, we have little kids that are almost the same age and they both, they look very similar. They have like long curly hair. So we, uh, we exchange photos, but, but we talked more about kids sometimes than we do about, you know, music. So, uh, yeah, he's really become a cool friend, you know, and somebody I uh, I admire a lot. So I was, I was lucky, you know, to to have him on the record, and um, yeah, there's so many things uh, on this thing. Uh, I can't wait to see the reaction to it, you know, to see uh, see what people think of it. What what if you had to pick a, a song on the record? What do you think? Oh, you know, uh, I say spiral definitely sticks in my head because just the vocal, uh, the vocal lines in that, I think, and you know, that dink, 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 it's just really, really percussive. So I, I really, uh, I really like that one a lot. I actually like who awaits quite a bit. Uh, cool. yeah, I, I think that that's, 
really like a like a gloomy start and then it just kind of and then all of a sudden it just rips into the screams and it just you're, you're just oh my god where the fuck did that come from so probably of all the There's little whispery parts in there too which are kind of cool i've never really done that before uh you know kind of a whispery vocal that's uh that's kind of new for me and and uh i like it. i was just yeah it's it's just uh i feel like now i i somebody else was asking me like do you feel like you have i feel like i have uh all these extra colors to paint with now you know what i mean all these places now that I, I i wish that i had done this a long time ago you know to have an outlet for for uh you know I mean, I, it was always either or either really extreme or really you know commercial rock sort of metal like neurotica was instead of combining the two you know dummy it took me all this time to you know to to uh put, put two and two together and uh but i um yeah i mean when it, it's it's fun old self and young self on your shoulder and, yeah. and fucking yakking at each other you know you fucking dumbass why didn't you do this <laughs> i don't know what happened <laughs> exactly it in my head that's what I, that's what i feel like i feel stupid that i did it it was right there in front of my face like you know i couldn't have seen it um, but yeah so in regards to the privilege also I, I do i do really like that song and i think if there was a song on the album that has the most atheist vibe to it it's probably yeah. that because of yeah. specifically like the kind of that syncopated dissonant guitar work that just kind of has some of those some of those elements to it that was the first thing that jumped out at me and of course you know loomis's solo style um you know the arpeggios and the sweeps and the you know he just got a very easy to understand phrasing absolutely easy to follow along and he also knows how to cap a, a solo you know how to end it like and, and that's important like i one of one of the things i hate about shredding solo people is that they end on they end on a on a note like it, it should always like build 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 and by the end of the solo it should be it shouldn't be like meandering you know what i mean and that's his he you know and he just knocked that out probably in no time at all but it's just indicative of how skillful he is and and that particular solo it just climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs and wow and explodes and empower back to the song and that's the kind of shit and I, you know didn't have to say anything to him you know just like will you please do a solo on this he sent it and i loved it and there it is and there's no <laughs> thinking about it or sitting in the studio working on it or you know that's the great thing about this record as well is all these vocals that i did are all done on a handheld microphone at fucking two 30 in the morning when I'm like feeling great. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm like, you know, I've got the whole, I started the song at 7 PM and now it's two 30, three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like ready to do vocals. And, uh, and that's how almost probably 85% of this record came to be. So the vocals you're hearing are the vocals I wrote the very same night and and perform them the very same night that i wrote the music <laughs> so there's no time to to sit around and think about it and you know really that what you know scott in terms of producing there was a couple of moments where he he enforced it because he was like we should have a double solo like a trade-off solo and i was like yeah okay so we doubled the length of the solo and um other parts where you know vocally he would he would i would try something and, and i'd be like oh is that too much and he'd be like no more more like that you know and it would just give me confidence to like as it seems for instance you know is, is a really risky song for an extreme metal record just because it comes right out with this this beautifully melodic you know big chorus and then it just goes to hell you know it just goes to somewhere deep dark and yeah. gnarly 
<laughs> and then back, you know, back to peacefulness again. So I just thought, is that, you know, is that too much? And he was like, fuck, no, more of that. He's like, that's an amazing song. So the response to that song has been really, really good as well. I think that's the kind of song that could really kind of bridge the gap in a way, you know, because it's it's also got everything. And I mean, Who, Who Waits is another one that I feel like could pull pull everybody together and, and you know, in agreement that, uh, all right, you know, we can swallow this pill, this combination, this hybrid style of, of, uh, of metal. And, you know, I'd rather make something new and different and fail than just make some boring ass record that I, you know, and have success. And, but know in my heart that I just made some boring ass music, <laughs> you know I mean? I, it's, uh, I mean, as much as I'd love to be rich and, you know, and have tons of money, I still, still feel good about, you know, musical integrity. And even at this age, you know, I still feel like it's the most important currency that there is, you know, just be proud of the art that you make. Cause you know, when you're gone, it's left behind, you know? And so, yeah. 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 It's uh, I, I do feel that, you know, what you've taken on with till the dirt, I personally feel like this, this project is not going to be a flash in the pan project. I mean, this really feels like there is momentum behind it, but there's also just pure raw energy. And, and I think that, you know, the industry gets saturated. It's very cyclical, right? Just things kind of come and go and come and go and come and go. And I think really the strong part about this is just your approach to how you're blending these different these different sounds, these different sonic elements and the energy that you put into them, if whether or not it's an aggressive vocal line or kind of a more laid back vocal line, you definitely get that raw emotion across the board. And so I feel like people are, especially in this area, uh, very receptive to that kind of stuff. I feel like people want more of that. And hey, like I said, I'm a fan of the 80s and 90s. I really love that old school sound, man. Fucking throw some obituary on there and, you know, drag me fucking across the swamp. Yeah. I'll fucking bang my head all day long, you know. But once in a while, I, you know, I want to mix it up a bit. And, and I, I love the fact that I can mix it up a bit in one album. And those things that I, that I am getting that Jones for. I mean, I think everybody probably hopes that they make a special record, but I do kind of somehow feel I'm getting a vibe that feels like it could be a special record. You know, it could be a record that kind of just moves things in a different direction. Like I was saying earlier, you know, just um, every now and then a, a band or a record comes along that kind of uh, just discovers new new windows, you know, that you can open for new air in, in, in a scene that does become stagnant. And, you know, I mean, and there's just a lot of, uh, you know, just the way breakdowns and shit like that happen. And everybody was doing breakdowns on their songs, you know I mean? These, and, uh, and so then that gets played out and, and tired. So then what, you know what I mean? And I've always been the, the, then what to me has always been songwriting, man, you know, just write good songs that have all the things that people love about metal in you know, in, in one conversation, which is what a song is to me. It's like, uh, that's why I don't like to spend weeks on a song, like, because it's, it's like, you know, I mean, I want to, I want to say what I want to say and I want to move on to the next conversation, you know, and, and, uh, music has always been that way with me. Like a, the longer that I work on it, the more I hate it, you know, I mean, I just rather make the statement and move on and then, you know, look back on it and, and, uh, hope for the best, you know, but I mean, some of the greatest moments in my career, personally, mineral, for instance, from the atheist album elements is, you know, less than 24 hours old when it was recorded. Like we wrote that song literally the afternoon before. 
and I quick wrote lyrics and it's on the album. It's still in our set today. You know, and it's, you know, we didn't have time to, you know, do we like this song? Is this a good song? Is it, there was no time at all. It's just, it was, it got recorded and, and here it is 30 years later and it still kills. <laughs> I love that song. I love uh, but and, and hearing that was fucking mind blowing. I, I think, uh, the the ability also to have home studios and yeah. you know, be able to you know uh, just work on you know pieces of equipment that are accessible and you know you get you just get that that I got this in my heart right now I need to fucking spit this shit out I think yeah. music and artists in general one we are constantly known for is overthinking shit and uh, you. Know, overthink yourself to the point where you're just like I, I had something good and then I fucked it up because I, I kept going back and revisiting it and I, I didn't need to and you know I don't know but I don't know about you but like I used to do like take after take after take after take after take after take and I find with my guitar work this is getting worse like I was just like fuck you know and then you go back and you listen to the first three takes oh you know fucking 30 hours later I should have just taken the second take and called it a fucking day um so I, I love the fact that you, you of all people, are are somebody that says I captured exactly what I wanted to at that yeah. moment, for better for work, yeah. right? It, it, that the, the very epitome of a piece of time, right there, is the fact that you snapped it, you captured it, and it's done. It's there forever, you know. And but I would wake up the next day and go and listen to it and just be like, "Who is that?" Like, what? no, like I literally, it's not a joke, man. I would just be like, that is so crazy. I would never sing like that. Normally I would never write anything like that. And it was just so, uh, you know, and just, yeah, you mentioned you having a home studio. I, uh, had a friend from New Orleans named Chris Hare, who was kind enough to get, like gift me a DAW and I had never had a home studio or home st recording capabilities at all. And that was in, extremely important to this whole process. I never would have happened without him doing that. So kudos to him um for for giving me that and uh so right on my laptop in a very small space you know i tracked all the you know guitars and and uh tracked all my vocals like sitting right there with my little three-year-old uh sitting on the couch watching paw patrol and um you know there are moments there are moments on those vocal tracks that if you were to isolate them you'll probably you'll maybe hear a little bit of paw patrol in the background which i think is fucking hilarious you know like that uh, a record that you know, violent at times has a, has a little bit of Paw Patrol mixed in there, you know? Uh, but no, yeah, you probably, you would never hear it unless the vocals were isolated, but uh, just the, all that. I love the, the DIY organic punk rock process. It's hard to do in the digital age because everything is perfect. Everything is synced up and, and quantized and everything is just all. And uh, you know, while I did use, I did record everything to a click, um, you know the, the guitars and stuff like that uh, there's moments where the guitars are just slightly out of tune with each other and uh, i love that I, I didn't want to change that i didn't want to overthink the performances you know and uh and so it is what it is and it's got flaws and i like it but us as human beings we have flaws as you could be the nicest person in the world and still have a lot of flaws you know it's it's important not to hide those flaws musically i think that sometimes the the happy accidents are the things that have longevity um uh, there's a lot of moments on classic records of things that happened um, accidentally. They got left on the record that people can't imagine living without, you know, um, I think driven to tears from the police, the beginning of that song, uh, Sting accidentally sits on a piano while he's waiting to do his vocal. He's waiting and he sat on the piano and it recorded it and he started laughing. And that's at the very beginning of the song. And, uh, and I always thought it was like this cool, 
moment that they must have thought about that, man. You know, I wish I would think of something cool like that. It sounds so, you know, and you know, impulsive. Uh, but it was an accident. And they just left it. So anyway, that's kind of how this whole thing was made, man. Just very, very DIY. And uh, but having the ability to do that allows you to uh, to experiment with those kinds of things. You know, I being able to, you know, I last record. I mean, you know, it's hundred dollars an hour to go into a big studio. So when you go, when you go in and you know you don't have you know you don't have a lot of money, so if you're working on something, you'll tend to cut corners because you know that oh, I don't have enough time to sit in, and work on this anymore. Uh, you know, so I'm just gonna have to I'm just gonna have to go with this. You know, whereas I did you know so while I was doing things spontaneously, at least if I wanted to, I had time to um, time to fix it if I wanted to. You know, if I but uh, I never I, I like I said about eighty five percent of what you hear on the album is. Bang, 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 you know, here it is. And, and, um, I just, I feel like I had to do that to, in order to get it out. And, uh, but man, just being able to record at home when I was a kid, like 18, 19 years old, I, if I would have had what I have now to be able to record and have it be so listenable, fuck, I would have albums and albums of material. <laughs> yeah. Cause right now I'm sitting on hours of, of high quality riffs and, and in many cases songs. So I don't know what I'm going to do with them all, you know, cause there's other songs too, outside of this till the dirt template um that i wrote that are i don't know what the fuck to do with them you know what i mean uh, I, I just uh i'll give them to somebody you know if i find a really cool singer like here sing on this you know and and let them take it and, and be their uh you know their their band or whatever it's uh, it's been nice to, to and i literally still now just part of my evening process like i sit down turn on turn on the uh you know roll up a few tracks and smoke a bowl and play my guitar and just record whatever i'm whatever i'm um you know, whatever I'm sitting down. And so that helps me a lot because I don't remember, like if I, if I wasn't recording, I wouldn't remember half the things that I play. So it's nice to have that backup, you know, uh, an extra brain to, to help me remember things, but also putting things together, you know, I mean, uh, that I wouldn't normally put together if I had to deal with four other people in a band, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know what I mean? That's, uh, that can be really trying, you know, to, you know, if you have a vision of something you want, but you've got to appease everybody else in the band, you can't just be like, oh, I can't steamroll through it. A band is a band and it's a, you know, a democracy. Usually it should be. And, um, and so that element of songwriting becomes different automatically because now you got to, you know, if one guy thinks it's lame now, if, even if the other guys think it's great, everybody's kind of second guessing, well, is he right? And we're all wrong or is he wrong or we're all right? You know what I mean? All that second guessing is bad for music. You got to fucking do it. Bam and move on. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm curious. Uh, now, when you went in and and uh, put on, I guess, the, well, the final touches, did you re-record the entire album or how much of that stuff that made the final cut is still what you recorded in its original form? All the vocals are all in their original form. Um, all of my guitars are, uh, oh, let's see, all the guitar. Yeah, everything is, okay, so I, you know, I did all the guitars on the demos. So I would do like four tracks of guitars and um, basically two aside. Two aside, two You know, and play the harmony and, and whatever. And I would leave the solos. I, I was having uh, other people do the solos. Uh, I would lay down a solo just for my, just to know where the solo was and then have somebody much better than me play uh, the solos on the album. And, um, but yeah, um, all of my guitar performances are, are, are original. I didn't go back and fix really. I can't think of anything that went back and all we did was really mix it in a proper studio. So I had mixes that I did on my, 
on my laptop, essentially. And those are the demos. And uh, that's what got Scott involved. And so once we had um, the other musicians come in and play the parts that I had already written, they played, you know, we added two more guitar uh, tracks. And then um, obviously Yoav did most of the bass. We had a couple of guests on a couple of songs. And I sent, you know, one track to John Longstreth. He sent me the drums back and we flew them in under the guitar part. So yeah, I would say, again, 85, 90%. The only thing that really changed were solos. You know, you know, I was just kind of trying to find the right solos. So, but all the rhythm stuff was uh, captured in those nights. Now, the other guys that played my parts, my my parts are still on the album, so I'm my my playing is still there. And the other guys, I don't know what their tracking process was or how they what headspace they were in, but essentially they did a really great job of just playing exactly what I what I had laid laid down. And then we uh, just left all the guitars in there because at one point I was going to take my guitars out, and I was like, fuck it. Leave mine in there, you know what I mean? Um, which are also probably not nearly as good as the other guys that played on the album, you know what I mean? But I don't, I, I like the flaw of that, you know what I mean? I, I like the fact that I'm not, you know, virtuistic or, or what's the word I'm looking for, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm more of a, I, I bend in a different way, and, um, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to explain, but so I wanted my, I, I thought I would leave them on there. And uh, so, yeah, they're all, uh, all, all, all of my stuff anyway, all the stuff I did is all the, that, that evening <laughs> of writing the song. Yeah. Which I find remarkable because, you know, the temptation would be, eh, you know, maybe I could do this now or I could do that now or maybe I could, you know, embellish upon this. But you just fucking kept it pure, which I think was a ballsy move. And uh, I, think, I think it paid off. I mean, it's just it's fucking it's raw and aggressive i mean and and it, obviously it doesn't sound like what people would think like of a scott burns album which i think is the yeah. piece behind it is that it doesn't sound like the old morris sound stuff right and i i love all of that so that's that's not a a diss on any on any level i just think that uh for him to kind of come out and say yeah i want to put these touches on it and make it sound like this it's just it's just fucking rad dude thanks man I hope the world agrees. <laughs> but if, if not, listen, if they don't, you know, that's cool, man. I'm I'm proud of it. And uh, I know that I, I at least, you know, moved the needle a little bit, you know I mean? And uh, and so I'm uh, proud of the way that it came out. I look forward to having, uh, you know, t- making making some more records with this band for sure, because it allows me to, to be everybody I want to be, you know what I mean? But I also want to say, and I've said in a couple of other interviews, that it's important to know that I, understand the difference between atheist and till the dirt like i you know when we go to make the new atheist record rest assured it's not going to sound like anything like till the dirt um and for a number of reasons one of which i can count on is the tuning of the guitars um all the guitars on the till the dirt record are tuned really oddly um f sharp or b f sharp um, I forget what the, the next string was. I think D, yeah, B, F sharp, D. And uh, so that's an unusual tuning for guitar. So immediately it sounds way lower and way more different than Atheist, which is at 440E. So um, right out of the gate, the guitars sound way different on Atheist than they do with, with Till the Dirt. And also, I, you know, as I chuckle about church and state, you know, I know how to keep them separate. And, uh, you know, so uh, for, for all the people out there, they're like, oh, he's going to have clean vocals on a new Atheist album. No, I'm not. No, there will be, be no clean vocals on the new atheist album. <laughs> and you know, it's it's, and why why would you? And I mean, you're not going to mess with that formula. Obviously, there's a certain there's a certain amount of 
people expect a certain thing, a branding, if you will. I mean, this is atheist. This is not atheist. And I, I think that's what actually makes it great. And, you know, when I was talking with with Todd um, Latori a while back, you know, and I was like, hey, it's amazing how much this album doesn't sound like Queensryche. He's like, yeah, yeah. Why? Why the fuck would I do that? You know, why would I why would I shit where I eat? It's like it's it's two different things. Um, and I and so, yeah. Till the Dirt does not sound like atheist. There might be some reminiscent factors kind of here and there as a, oh, hey, check this out. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, wrote a lot of the, I wrote a lot of the guitar parts in the atheist music. So every now and then you're going to hear a riff that goes, oh, you know, or, or a style for Syrah or, or, a, or a, yeah, I mean, I guess a style or a way of doing things. The way I harmonize guitars maybe might be similar to an atheist thing. But, uh, but short of that, overall, it's definitely um, uniquely different. Yeah. And, and, and that's awesome. So, and and clearly, there's there's more to come. So, I think uh, I think we have this album, which now is basically by the time that everybody hears this on the airwaves, will be released to the world in in its large scale format. Um, so, what is it that I guess? What do you want people to take away with them about Till the Dirt? If you, if you had anything, you could just say, "Hey, listen, this is what this band is." You know what? What do you want people to walk away with? It's a, it's a, it's, you know, the way it was created is very organic and real and honest, which is really hard to do in a lab these days. You know what I mean? The, so to speak, you know, again, when you're working with lots of other people, I, it's just, you know, there's a lot of opinions that go into most of the music you hear uh, today. You know what I mean? There's just a lot of, a lot of, well, I think this, I think that there's, there's band members, there's managers, there's all that. This record was literally just a guy and a bottle of Jaeger and some weed and isolation of COVID. It's literally how this shit happened. So it's very, uh, it's very uniquely, uh, it's almost like a, an old school way of making whiskey compared to the way Jack Daniels makes it. You know what I mean? It's very, uh, very backwards and old school. And, and, uh, and I think that there's a charm in that. So I, I hope people will, will, you know, not expect some big grandioso production, um, you know, and, and just, listen if people come away feeling like you know what i didn't used to like extreme metal but i love 90s seattle and i love what you're doing there and so now i i'm actually able to listen to faster music as a result of that uh i would love that to be the effect uh to, to pull some new people into um you know because most people will be like oh i don't like super fast music well you don't know it just depends on how it's done, you know? And, and I feel like, you know, there's some, there's some moments on this record where there's clean, cool vocals, melodic vocals, harmony vocals, even over the top of really a lot of speed. And I think that somebody who's not typically accustomed to liking speed might find themselves uh, digging it. And that's cool. And, and they might turn them into, you know, into fans of other bands that, that, uh, that deserved their attention before, but didn't get it because they've been written off for being a death metal or, or, or you know, uh, death core or whatever it shit is called these days and all the different you know branches on the tree of, of metal but uh so i would hope that you know I, of course i want to be uh longevity you know i mean i want the record to be around when my son is 50 years old you know what i mean i want him to be like yeah so fucking still a classic record you know what i mean i you know i hope that uh believe me man we made peace of time i never thought we'd be talking about it fucking 35 years later um so when i think about this i have to think you know that's my ultimate goal is that this will be around way after me and, and uh, we'll, we'll reach people and touch people uh, long after I'm gone. You know, that's, that's a big, a big thing because it was written with that, that terror, you know, because during COVID 
I had, you know, as a smoker of 35 years, I thought, holy shit, this might be it. You know, this, I, I, if I get this COVID shit, I, I lost six friends and, and they were healthier than me. Uh, and they just ate their respiratory system up. And I thought, oh man, I've, so I didn't go anywhere. I didn't go to the grocery store. I didn't go nowhere, man. I, uh, I was terrified. And that also infiltrated into my lyrics, especially, you know, um, there's a song in there called Watch You Grow Old. It's uh, just about, the, the, you know, how I wish I could watch my little boy grow old. You know, I wish I could watch him grow up, get married, have kids. And you know what I mean? I, I had him at a very late age, but I'm not ready. I wasn't ready to go then, you know, because of some stupid virus, you know? And uh, so there was, there was some of that feeling in there. So anyway, that's the long answer of, I guess I just hope that it matters to people. You know, I hope that it's not just a record that goes in one ear and out the other. Um, and I don't feel like it will be, but. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm excited, excited yeah. about it. And if all goes well, as as it should, at some point, plans plans to play out shows. Yeah, that's going to be the really exciting part because because of the unique nature of the way this was made. Um, these songs have never been performed in a in a live capacity. You know, what I mean, um, I. Only for the first time heard the song played completely with uh, Ian Way did the guitar playthrough for Starring Role, uh, which is on YouTube now. Go check it out. Ian's amazing. He plays Insurrection as well. I met him on tour with uh, we were out with Suffocation, but tremendous Canadian guitar player. Um, and he did the playthrough. And that's the first time I saw somebody play. You know, I didn't, clearly I didn't see myself play through. Uh, so I, I, you know, watching him play, it was like fucking awesome. So I can't imagine how these songs will take even more, uh, life, you know, when, when they, when we put them on stage, I think songs like invitation, um, I don't know if you remember that song on there, uh, invitation is like a really fucking heavy song. I just think it could be anthemic in, in a live setting. Almost kind of God fleshy, uh, in parts, uh, very, very heavy. Yeah. I really love the vibe of that song. I think that song in live, uh, Forced to Because, I think could be a fucking banger live. Like well, all of them, you know. I mean, uh, they, you know, songs are, you know, songs in a studio and songs on stage are, are definitely two different animals. So uh, that's a, an unknown, exciting element to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, by all means, I would love to do uh, the touring. Now, a lot of people have said, "Well, you, you should tour together with atheists." I was like, "No, no, no, no." Oh, definitely keep them separate. You know what I mean? They're, they're really different headspaces. You know completely different headspaces. Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that there's a little bit of crossover with some, some me- current members at any particular point in time. Yeah, yeah. Three of the guys are in the band with me. Three of the atheist guys that are with me are until the dirt with me. And um, so it's definitely possible. So, I mean, we could play very well next festival season, play a festival show with atheist on a Friday and play with till the dirt on Saturday. You know what I mean? And uh, just so I have a day in between to get my head into that space, you know I mean? But I, I really wish that I, you know, really hope, and I've been trying in my head to try to think of a different visual approach to this band as well. You know, I don't know what it's going to look like, you know, but I kind of just don't want to roll out there and, you know, the same way, you know, I love to experiment with a different, different lighting. And, and, um, you know, I just want the, you know, if these songs sound the way they do on the record in a, in a theater, like, you know, if we can translate them and make them sound like that or, or better, I think it'll be just take some heads off, you know, and, uh, and I think the, in, in a really modern way, it'll give us opportunities to play with bands that atheists wouldn't be able to play with uh, and play on bills that we wouldn't be welcome on. Um, so I look forward to those opportunities as well, you know. And so you'd be ready to go, you know, with the right promotion, you know, the right. Uh, oh, yeah. 
place. You guys are, you're ready to tear it up then. Yeah, got, yeah the band's in place and um, it's really just a matter of waiting for the opportunity. And um, I mean, the lineup you just saw in Seattle of Atheist, um, I've only had for six months. Ah, man. You know, um, in six months, they all on their own learned, you know, 95% of it. Then we got in a room in San Diego and I fine tuned it all um, on the parts that they were, you know, that maybe didn't work playing right or, or playing quite the way they are in the album. And uh, we had four or five rehearsals. And, and that band just fucking killed it. You know, when top notch musicians, man, I did, when you're playing with really, really good players, like it's, it's a, uh, it's easy, you know, and they make it so easy. And I, it was not that way when we were kids, man, it was real hard to find any, even one person to play on a, on the, on a level like that. But yeah, they just tab shit out. And yeah, kids today are just, uh, I love playing with, with young guys, man. They're, um, just so talented and, so easy to work with and you can just be like, Hey, I need you to, I need you to learn all this stuff, you know, and uh, we're going to do it like this and they go, okay. You know, and, uh, and they kill it, you know, and they have such a level of quality to their playing that it, you know, it made those atheist songs sound better than they've ever sounded. Um, especially from elements, you know, um, the elements album has a questionable production, you know, a little weird kind of digital, you know I mean? It's, it's a, it's a weird sounding record. But those songs live, man, are like, whoa, you know, they're, they're way heavier and, and they, they take on a different vibe and, uh, and those guys play the shit out of it too. So it was, that was something I learned on this last tour with Cynic that I want to play some more of those songs, you know, and play them because those are songs we haven't really fire and the song fire is a song that's never, never been on stage before, but man, it works live, you know, it works great. So I can't, I can't really see what till the dirt will be like, you know, I, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So what's the best way for the people out there in the world to support Till the Dirt? How do they get their music? How do you, how do they uh, find please. it? You can stream it later, but buy the goddamn thing. You know, uh, buy the CD, buy the vinyl. The clear vinyl is really good. The artwork's tremendous. Um, Santiago Jaramillo at Triple Sace Designs did the cover. Uh, Scott Burns produced it. Ryan Vincent mixed it. It's fucking, it's banging topped it to, to bottom. You know, there's not a shitty song on it. Get the record, man. You know, I mean, uh, Spotify is convenient and cool, but man, it's just killing music. It's killing musicians. And so, uh, and there's nothing like holding on to the, the disc or the vinyl, you know what I mean? So I would encourage people to, if you're going to buy one record this year, buy this one, please, you know, uh, a nuclear blast. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to be, it's hard to make records these days. So that would be no, my number one encouragement would be to at least buy one, one form of it be it the vinyl or the CD. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, physical merch is where it's at. Nuclear Blast, they do they do a great job with all yeah. of the packaging, with all of their promotion. And, you know, they really, they support their acts more, more than label and so yeah definitely i mean i've got uh i've got the album on pre-order myself even though uh you know i'm, I'm in the media so i i got i got the cool epk but you know nothing like holding the album in your hand and reading the liner notes old school style and looking at the artwork and and having all the cool shit yeah you guys uh, buy this fucking album support my friend kelly uh and everything does i mean it's just uh he puts his heart and soul into into everything and so uh i'm a i am a fan of this particular band uh, i'm i'm a fan of everything that uh, that kelly stands for and really what he's put into this so i promise you there's no disappointment uh with till the dirt kelly any final words you want to leave out there with the uh, misery point radio listeners tonight 
Yeah, by the time you see this, you uh, should be able to check out the uh, the third uh, lyric video. We made a really cool lyric video for Privilege. So look that up on uh, hit all of our socials, please, on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, TikTok. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's make it a special special outing. And I look forward to seeing everybody out on the road. Um, tell your friends about it. Add it to your Spotify playlist. You know all that shit. Yeah. And uh, and I'll see everybody out on the road real soon. I can't wait to see each and every one of you, man. I love touring. I love meeting everybody. So as long as you don't knock on the bus door at fucking 12 o'clock or 1130, <laughs> I'm cool with it. <laughs> Thanks, Mike, so much, man, for all your support for the last couple of years. I really, really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to hanging out with you again, my friend. Hell yeah, brother. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Kelly Schaefer, atheist, and of course, Till the dirt. Uh, thank you, everybody out there in the wasteland. We'll be talking to you again real soon. Kelly, thanks again, brother. Thanks for having me. I'll see you, buddy. Yeah. And oh, before I forget, because of you crazy fuckers, this show and these interviews have now been heard in 160 countries. That's right. There's only 195 out there that are recognized. So 35 more to go till world domination. You guys are absolutely blowing my mind thank you so much i just i i just can't believe it you're all just fucking you're all rock stars to me don't forget to follow misery point radio on all the social channels like the book of faces the instagrams and the youtubes and before you yell at me about not promoting the youtube channel as much i know i know you're right i promise you i'll be putting some more emphasis on that platform this year i give you my personal guarantee in fact this conversation with kelly will be up there in record time so now it's on you to follow through. Hook a brother up. Do me the solid and subscribe to all the channels, especially that YouTube channel. I need your help to spread the good word, my friends. If you're listening to the radio broadcast, stay tuned because we're going to hear some more from Kelly until the dirt. If you're checking this out on your favorite streaming podcast platform, I'm pleased to announce that this is officially, magically, the 100th episode. So to all of you doubters, fuck you. You can suck it. To all of you believers, I love you more than you can possibly imagine. Couldn't do this without you. Every day, I'm just blessed and just blown away by the immense amount of support. So that being said, I'm going to close out this segment with one more song from Till the Dirt. This one featuring guitar god Jeff Loomis on an absolutely epic solo. You heard Kelly and I talk about this one, so here it is. This one's called Privilege on KFMP Misery Point Radio. Misery Point Radio. 